Coming up on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, it's Friday the 13th, so let's look back in history and evaluate the worst D-backs front office decisions under Mike Hazen. And then we're talking with Sully Baseball about the Miami Marlins and why haven't they added more offensive pieces to this lineup and roster? So discussing all that on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24, then my portfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreativeThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms we need your friends to go to is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel so we can Get a few more subscribers over to Lockdown Diamondbacks. We're, we are slowly creeping toward 400 subscribers and would love to hit that maybe by the end of January if possible. So please go hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. But I want to talk to you guys because it's Friday the 13th. I want to do a little fun exercise of looking at the worst Diamondbacks front office decisions during the Mike Hazen era. I believe I have, what is this? Six decisions written down here, and we're just going to go through these because I, I don't necessarily have these ranked in order. This is not a power ranking. This is just a discussion of the worst decisions under the Mike Hazen era because it's Friday the 13th. I feel like we should get a little negative, talk about the nightmare scenarios that the D-backs have had to gone through the last few seasons. And I'm only talking about decisions Mike Hazen and the front office have made during the offseason. So we're not talking about trading away Starling Marte at the trade deadline for Caleb Smith or anything like that. We're just specifically talking about off-season decisions that greatly affected this Diamondbacks team. And the first decision that I want to talk about that I was appalled that the D-backs weren't able to get a deal done is letting J.D. Martinez walk in free agency because J.D. Martinez, we know what he did when he was acquired by the D-backs. He was one of the main reasons that we were able to be lifted into the postseason. The combination of him and Paul Goldschmidt in that lineup, absolutely nasty. I mean, J.D. Martinez, 29 home runs in 62 games is insane, but we also can't forget he had a 302 average during that time, 1107 OPS. JD Martinez had a 741 slugging percentage with the D backs in those 62 games. He absolutely lit the world on fire. But how did the D backs repay JD Martinez after a playoff berth, uh, a wild card victory over the Colorado Rockies, and just a fantastic season? That was a lot of fun to watch. One of the most historic seasons in D backs franchise history. 
How did they re- repay J.D. Martinez once we got to the offseason? By letting him sign with the Boston Red Sox. And it wasn't like J.D. Martinez was trying to leave the woe is me small market Arizona Dimebacks. No. J.D. Martinez would have been happy staying in Arizona. His agent, Scott Boris, said he set up multiple meetings with Ken Kendrick trying to convince them to just give them a few more years because the average annual salary wasn't issued. The D-backs reportedly maybe offered around two years, $50 million, and they just wanted a little bit more long-term security. And when you think about what the Boston Red Sox gave J.D. Martinez, it wasn't like they gave him some crazy deal. They actually gave him a less, a lower average annual value than the $25 million a year he would have gotten from the D-backs. The Red Sox gave him $22 a year over a five-year period, a five-year $110 million deal. And when you consider the numbers that J.D. Martinez put up in Boston, that is a bargain. J.D. Martinez, that first year in Boston, this was his slash line. 330 average, 402 OBP, a 629 slugging, 43 home runs, led the league in RBIs, led the league in total bases, and finished fourth in MVP voting. That guy could have been in Arizona with Paul Goldschmidt. But the big hesitancy as to why they didn't re-sign J.D. Martinez is because they didn't want to give him a deal longer than the contract length of a Paul Goldschmidt who was due up in two seasons. So they were like, we need to make sure our books are low for the long term so we can make sure we have the money to pay Paul Goldschmidt when his deal is up. And guess what? They let J.D. Martinez walk and they still didn't pay Paul Goldschmidt. So you end up letting a premier talent of J.D. Martinez walk in free agency for nothing. And look, I get it. At the time, there was no DH. So you would have had like, Basically, a poor man's Yasmani Tomas in the outfield, or maybe a rich man's Yasmani Tomas, because J.D. Martinez is a better defensive outfielder than Yasmani Tomas. So maybe he would have been the rich man's Yasmani Tomas in the outfield because it would have been below average defense. It would have been mediocre defense, but you would have got more than just a 30 home run season like you got from a Yasmani Tomas. You would have got a potential MVP candidate, at least from an offensive standpoint, in your lineup. And then... By the time that contract is finished, he would have been a DH for you because the National League, by the time that contract ended when he was with the Boston Red Sox, the National League has implemented the universal DH. So you would have had J.D. Martinez as your DH at the back end of the deal, and he was such a premier offensive talent. Imagine if you still had that Keta Marte breakout season with the J.D. Martinez and those couple years of Paul Goldschmidt, you would have had a real offensive lineup that was stacked and deep and a David Peralta like the D-backs could have had one of the most fearsome lineups in baseball with Marte, Goldschmidt, Peralta, and Martinez but instead they let Martinez walk to the Boston Red Sox for not a very not not a very expensive contract at all very upset that is the first big mistake that I want to talk about today the next big mistake and terrible decision by this front offense during the Mike Hazen era is let's just get out the way now the Paul Goldschmidt trade because they talked about like when we go back to this JD Martinez deal they were talking about like how they want to keep Paul Goldschmidt and they were going to pay him but apparently the money was just too much for the Arizona Dimebacks because five years for a hundred five years 130 million for Paul Goldschmidt is apparently just too much for the D-backs too much for a guy that was your franchise icon too much for a guy that spent what close to a guy that spent eight years in Arizona. That guy was too much. Arguably the best offensive player that 
has ever donned the Sedona red. Like you could easily say Luis Gonzalez, but Paul Goldschmidt is easily on the Mount Rushmore of D-backs. He finished second in MVP voting twice, another third place finish. And when you look at his career since leaving for St. Louis, that first year was good, but not great. But every year since that first season, since 2019, Paul Goldschmidt has gotten better every single season. He literally, in 2019, finished 20th in MVP voting. 2020, finished 15th in MVP voting. 6th in 2021. And then, of course, took home the award in 2022. And it's like, that was the fourth year of his contract. He's about to enter the fifth year. Is he going to get even better as an MVP? Like, you were concerned about maybe giving him a five-year deal because he was entering his 30s and maybe you thought he was going to slow down a little bit. Like, he's literally getting better as the contract is starting to age and you are paying still for the best years of Paul Goldschmidt, age 30 to 35. Those are still prime years of a major leaguer and an athlete and the D-backs were like, nah, we would rather trade him and save that money and try to retool this thing a little bit more. Like, it doesn't make sense. And you look at the haul that you got back. I mean, some people would say you when you traded Paul Gosham in that scenario, it was a salary dump, so you weren't going to get back the best compensation back in the package. But for at least one season, it felt good. Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly, Andrew Young. But now we know Carson Kelly. I mean, the D-backs just traded for a new catcher this past offseason. So Carson Kelly now is an asset. He might start the season as the starting catcher, but... He won't probably finish the season as a starting catcher. Might be a backup catcher by the second half of the season if he's still on the D-backs, if the D-backs haven't traded him at the deadline. And then Luke Weaver, I just saw today, he just re-signed with the Cincinnati Reds, like, or just signed with the Cincinnati Reds. Like, Luke Weaver is not a very good pitcher. Wasn't good since 2019 either. Both of those guys kind of peaked in 2019. And Paul Goldschmidt, his worst season was 2019 and since then has gotten better. Meanwhile, Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly has looked worse every single season since 2019. So that's the second big mistake that I want to talk about today. The third big mistake that I want to talk about during this Mike Hazen era is the Madison Bumgarner contract because this D-backs team would be so much better, so much more exciting, and have a higher ceiling if they didn't have Madison Bumgarner on this roster because Madison Bumgarner, you could probably attribute 8 to 10 losses the last couple seasons just due to poor performance by Madison Bumgarner because when you look at the D-backs this past season, Right, they were like a fringe wild card contender. Sully Baseball always makes fun of me because I like to talk about how the D backs at one point during the month of September were in third place in the NL West and look like they potentially could make the wild card. And the D backs won 74 games, but could that have been an 80, 81, 82 win season if Madison Bumgarner wasn't in your starting rotation? Madison Bumgarner has looked like arguably the worst starting pitcher in baseball, and he has a real case for calling him the worst starting pitcher in baseball during his tenure with the D-backs because that first season in Arizona was just absolutely atrocious. A 6-4-8 year already, but of course, it was the 2020 pandemic-shortened season, so you could say, hey, small sample size, weird offseason, got cut short, let's give him the full offseason and see what he can do in 2021. Well, guess what? 2021 
slightly better results. A 4.67 ERA, I believe his fastball went back up a little bit in 2021 compared to 2020, but still terrible across the board. And then in 2022, you're like, okay, the Madison Baumgarten experiment hasn't worked out through his first two years, but now we have Brent Strom, the best pitching coach in baseball. This guy has turned um, the Eastern Pumpkins into whatever the Cinderella references that I'm trying to make there. Okay, he's turned pumpkins into beautiful chariots or whatever. He's turned ugly princesses into beautiful princesses. And he could not do that with Madison Bumgarner because he was still the ugly stepchild of the D-backs rotation. A 488 year right in 2022. And it felt like the D-backs were doing their very best not put too much on Madison Bumgarner's plate. It felt like if he got through four innings of two earned runs or less, you were very happy with that. And then you would pull him from the game because you didn't want him to go that fifth inning. You definitely didn't want him to go three turns through a lineup. And the fact that the D-backs gave him a five-year, $85 million deal, the D-backs were coming off an 85-win season. They felt like Madison Bumgarner was going to be the missing piece. And I got to admit, I didn't think it was a bad deal at the time. I was like $15 million a year for a guy who is a World Series champion, a proven veteran, a proven starter in this league. Yeah, he's definitely in the decline. You could see that with his numbers that last year in San Fran. But you still felt like he was a workhorse. And he felt like he was going, and you still felt like he was going to at least be a damn near pretty good number two starter. Excuse me. He still felt like he was going to be a pretty good number two starter, if not like a low end one. Like, I probably didn't think he was a true number one anymore, but I was like, okay, Zach Gallon is your really your pseudo number one, and then Massa Bumgarner is your number two. I was like, all right, that's probably a pretty damn good frontline rotation, and Massa Bumgarner just hasn't been able to live up to expectations, hasn't been able to live up to the salary, and now he's like an anchor holding back this rotation, a rotation that we just want to let all the young guys loose with the Ryan Nelsons, the Dre Jamisons, the Brandon Fats of the world, but... Seems like Madison Bumgarner is at least going to take up one of those rotation spots, and it's just very disappointing to see. And this D-backs team would be so much more exciting if Madison Bumgarner were just not on the roster. How about this decision? This one is not as big of a deal as probably the other decisions that I've already discussed, but this one still irks me a little bit, and it's non-tendering. Taiwan Walker because I kind of get why they did it. Taiwan Walker was basically coming off a major surgery, hadn't really pitched for the D-backs the last couple of years. He had like 15 innings pitch between 2018 and 2019, so the D-backs non-tendered his contract, let him walk in free agency. But when you do that, when you let someone go that was still that young, Taiwan Walker was only 26 years old. You leave room to be burned, and that's kind of what's happened to the D-backs because after he left, he went to he went back to the Mariners and looked pretty damn good with the Seattle Mariners. And then we know what he did with the New York Mets his first season. He was named an All-Star because of his fantastic first half, a terrible second half, but looked really good in the first half of the season. And then last year looked like a pretty good number three level starter as well. And when you think about the decision, like it would have only costed the D-backs around $5 million to bring a Taiwan Walker back. And when you think about the projected rotation without a Taiwan Walker going into the next season, it was Robbie Ray, who we knew, who we didn't know at the time, but now we know now with hindsight, he wasn't that far away from falling off a major cliff with his D-backs organization. He had Mike Leak as a potential starter, like He's a nobody. Merrill Kelly at the time was still a big question mark. We love Merrill Kelly now, but at the time, if it was Taiwan Walker versus Merrill Kelly, it's kind of surprising that they chose Merrill Kelly. Zach Gallen, of course, that was an easy decision to make. Luke Weaver at the time still had a lot of stability within the 
within the organization and a lot of trust. And he just, they were going to give him every opportunity to start. And then Alex Young was another projected guy in that rotation. So it's like outside of Zach Gallant and Luke Weaver, like Taiwan Walker and Robbie Ray, I guess. Taiwan Walker definitely should have been in the mix for the number four, number five spot in the rotation where Merrill Kelly and a Mike Leak and a Alex Young. But instead, they let him walk over $5 million for a guy that was only 26 years old at the time. An absolutely insane decision. This next one is basically a cluster of decisions, and this is going to be the last one that we discussed today. We're not going to hit the sixth one. I, I really don't think it's that big of a deal, so because we're already running late on time, I'm just going to keep that one in my back pocket. But the fifth decision that really irks me from this Mike Hazen era, and all this is not even Mike Hazen's fault. A lot of this is actually on Ken Kendrick, the owner, but I want to just keep it during the Mike Hazen era. And the last decision that irks me is basically every reliever that has been signed during the pandemic under Mike Hazen, the Ian Kennedys of the world, the Oliver Perez's of the world, the Mark Melanson of the world, the Joaquin Soria's of the world, the Chris Davinsky's, the Tyler Clippers, all those guys were absolutely terrible. None of them, literally none of them helped the D-backs bullpen. It's been tough for the D-backs bullpen to be consistent, be trustworthy. If the D-backs have had a league average bullpen in the last couple of years and no massive bum garner, I guarantee you this team is at least a wild card contender. But because the bullpen has been so bad, especially when it comes to closing games, the D-backs in the ninth inning have not been able to close a game. It feels like since, what, Fernando Rodney was in his peak, at least since like Archie Bradley at the very least, who is still a free agent, I mind you. So that's the last decision. D-backs, Front office has been terrible at picking relievers since the pandemic. And hopefully the 2022 offseason changes some things. But the last two to three years of D-backs picking up relievers has been an awful experiment. Now, one thing that is not experiment and always delicious is the Built Bar. Because if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you gotta get a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, you want to eat healthier, right? But you don't want to compromise taste. Then you have to get the Built Bar because the Built Bar does not compromised taste and it is super healthy because the thing about the built bar is that it's low calories low sugar high protein high fiber and get this it's covered in 100 real chocolate it's soft it's easy to chew and some of the flavors that you could get a built bar in like the churro the peanut butter brownie the coconut almond it's so very delicious and in the past you had to go to built.com which you can still do to get a box of Bill Bars. But now, you can also walk into your nearest Walmart. You can walk into your nearest Sam's Club. Just go grab a 13-bar box of Bill Bar. Get that brownie batter. Get the churro. And you can thank me later. Or just check out Built.com. Um, another piece of news, by the way, um, you had uh, uh, Johnny Cueto signed with the Marlins mm -hmm. and Rojas was traded to Los Angeles. Rojas, who was originally a Dodger farmhand, played in the postseason one year with them and was sent packing in the trade with Miami that wound up bringing a bunch of other players, including Kiki Hernandez, 
was that uh, who now is with the Red Sox and the Red Sox are hoping that Hernandez could be the starting center fielder and starting second baseman, um, which is in a weird situation. But uh, Rojas is there to fill in it short. They, they let Seager walk. Trace Turner was there. I don't understand why they let Trey Turner walk, but now they're going to have Rojas play there. Um, is Rojas a great player? No, he's not. But I think he will do fine. I think he. I think he's. Uh, uh, I think he'll do fine in LA. And I think in some ways they're taking the mentality of make sure there's a major leaguer at that position and let's move on. The reason I find the signing of Cueto interesting, and this sound you'll hear is Peter Pratt of Locked On Marlins screaming at the top of his lungs, is that this may mean they could trade away. Oh, yeah. Lopez or someone. And this will allow them to have a little more wiggle room to be able to deal a player. Obviously, they're not going to trade Alcantara or Alcantara. It's Alcantara. I'm sorry. But I don't think they should trade any of their starting pitchers. I think they should try to sign as many free agent hitters as possible, roll the dice and take your chances with a good pitching staff. But if they have to trade a Pablo Lopez uh, in a deal, it's easier to absorb that if you had a major league pitcher, albeit he's no longer the Cy Young contender used to be, he pitched well for Chicago last year. Um, maybe you get a good year out of Johnny Cueto and means your rotation still at least is a strength. And hopefully for them, they'll get a decent hitter in return. Yeah. I don't mind the Marlins wanting to unload some of their starting pitchers because they do have such a gluttony of like dudes under 26, 27, they're like five or six deep in that rotation. So I don't mind them wanting to unload a couple of those pitchers. If they're getting back, let's say an even deal. Like if they made a deal with the D backs and they traded like a Pablo Lopez or Jesus Lazardo for Dalton Varsho, like I think that would have been a perfect win-win situation. So if the Marlins can go and attack deals like that, where you bring back a real major leaguer to help your offense and you're trading away a pitcher or like what the D backs did a couple years ago with the Marlins, when you traded jazz Chisholm for Zach Gallen, like that's a perfect win-win scenario for both teams. So the Marlins need to find more deals like that because that lineup is disgustingly bad. And that rotation that rotation is legitimately maybe a top five rotation in all of yeah. baseball. And everyone in that rotation is under 27 years old. And they, they're they willing. They're, they're Basically, all the reports are saying, the the I believe, Jesus Lazardo. You could go get um who else? Pablo Lopez in that rotation, Edward Cabrera. Like, they have, like, three. Half their rotation is, like, available for sale. And they could go out there and trade them for position players. I wouldn't mind seeing that from the Miami Marlins because they do have this young rotation. It's a gluttony. And they need more players in that lineup, Sully. I know, but at the same time, so many teams are building to have a rotation like theirs. And I think it's easier to sign bats than it is to develop pitchers. But what's their hesitancy to sign bats, though? It seems like they don't want to sign anyone out there. Cheap. They're cheap. They're cheap, cheap, cheap. Mm. They're they're baby chickens. They're cheap. I, I think they just should just... Uh, they should now. I understand if they think that maybe there's you want to maybe deal when their their value is at its highest. Maybe I, I just think that so many teams are out there trying to build a solid starting rotation. The Marlins have done that. It feels like they've done the hard part. And if they just look at even at this point, not saying a star. Okay, if you put a a, a league average player. You know, a, a a zero war player. You know, just someone who is 
just someone who is a decent major leaguer at every position, even if on a short-term deal, and, and put that team on the field with this pitching staff, I think the team would you know, be an 82-83 win team. Yeah, and and roll the dice to see if maybe they win a couple extra games or a team that is very good down the stretch. Like everyone thought the Giants were going to be a playoff team last year, they weren't. That opened the door for San Diego and for Philadelphia. There are teams like that happen. You 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 see the advantage of trying to get that low hanging fruit of the third wild card spot. You already have developed a really good pitching staff. I, to me, it, I just think there are always hitters available, especially who had been non-tendered. And you can also bust out your analytics department and see what player who had a crap season last year is going to really benefit from the lack of shifts and maybe a couple, you know, maybe get an extra hit there, here or there. Then you score four runs instead of three runs. You win the game four, three, instead of losing the game three, two. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just, yeah. when you've built a pitching staff, then put a team at least have one year where you take a stab at it. Well, the issue is every time they build up the value of one of their position players and they're like over 20 years old, they're like, hey, why don't we just trade this guy for more prospects down the line? Because that's what they did with Adam Duvall in 2021. 22 home runs at the by the time the all-star break rolled around, they ended up trading him for what? Probably nothing at the end, right? So there's still free agents out there right now. Like you could go get those low level free agents. Like you're talking about a guy like Trey Mancini is. Yeah, I mean, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's easy. 20 plus home runs, uh, 750 OPS. Like he's not going to probably put up all-star level numbers for you, but is he going to be maybe your third best player in your lineup with yes. how it currently stands in yes. Miami? Yeah. More than likely, if you just want a power guy at your catcher position that can maybe change the game in one swing, guess what? Gary Sanchez is still out there. He could play a low DH for you. Why not? It's not like you got other guys that I could do stuff for you offensively and also think about though you just threw out sanchez and mancini right there those are two players who have something to prove they want mm-hmm. to show that they aren't on the decline so you're gonna have two highly motivated players i, I just it just i i'm i'm a big believer of you have developed a rotation it's why i don't want the guardians to trade away bieber you've yeah, developed the no. rotation just throw the bats in there. Throw in. It doesn't have to. You're, you're, yes, you're not going to get Jose Abreu. You're not going to get Aaron Judge. Mancini and Sanchez right there. The law firm of Mancini and Sanchez is already an improvement. Yeah, like imagine yeah. the Marlins signed like Cody Bellinger this offseason, like what the Cubs did. Like that's a one-year proof of deal. Like maybe 17 and a half is a little bit expensive, but it's only for one year. One this year. is a guy one year. with still a whole bunch of talent who we've seen hit the highest of highs in baseball. And the fact that like, the rest of your players in your lineup outside of like Jazz Chisholm just don't really have a ceiling. Like someone like that, like you're talking about, just go after the players with something to prove. You don't even have to sign them to multi-year deals, just one or two-year deals or one year with an option for your second year. Like that's all you have to do. We're not asking these teams to break the bank, Sully. We're not saying every team has to spend like the New York Mets, but God damn it, just spend a little money in the offseason and improve your roster when you have such a young ready rotation like the Marlins do because you just mentioned the Cleveland Guardians every decision they make should be through the prism of how do we make our team better around Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie because those are two guys under the and age class of class A and class, and class A, class a too yeah you're right those are three pitchers who are like 
Hall of Fame level, all-star level studs at those three positions. So every decision you make should be in the prism of those three guys. The same with the Marlins. Your rotation is stacked. You could trade two, three of these starters and still have one of the best rotations in baseball. Every decision you make should be how do we improve that lineup so we can score enough runs where our, our rotation doesn't have to throw a shutout every game. Because basically how it stands, the if every Marlins starter doesn't give up one earned run or less, they're probably going to lose a majority of ball games next season. Well, I'm not going to lose any of the podcasts that I bring Miller Thomas on. Hey, Miller, tell people where they can listen to your show. Hey, you can listen to me on all your podcasting platforms. You can follow me on YouTube at Lockdown Dimebacks on there. And then if you want to follow me on social media at Creator Thomas 24 for my personal account or look up Lockdown Dimebacks on Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. All right. And by the way, thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day. Your second listen, I would better be Locked On Diamondbacks if you know what's good for you. But then check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby, who's a prospect encyclopedia, is going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow me at Twitter at Sully Baseball. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube channels. We're trying to get 12 billion subscribers Ooh. and if every we're, we're 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 far short of that right now but if we get to 12 billion i'll put up a tip jar and if all of you just drop two bucks in the tip wow. jar and you know what i'll split it with miller oh hey wow that's so generous to split 24 billion between the two of us that's right and for 24 billion dollars i too can put a down payment on a studio apartment in San Francisco. And I'm looking forward to that. But hey, showing that we can be objective, even yeah. if we're biased. That's Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks. I'm your pal Sully. I'm the host of Locked On MLB. We we're a little bit late this week, but we did it anyway. Hey, let's do a fist bump and hey. call it a week. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. It's Friday, so come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Go catch up on any pods you might have missed this past week. Shout out Sully Baseball of Lockdown MLB. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day. The Lockdown MLB Prospects show with host Lindsey Crosby. He kills it. Walking prospect encyclopedia. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.